Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Have you seen the video? It was originally a TikTok video that showed an employee at Waffle House holding a baby while working. I mean, it went viral. I mean, it had 41,000 people commenting on it. It uh, amassed, you know, millions of views. And uh, it showed an employee filling orders while holding the baby. And the text over the video read, Ain't no why she got her baby in here. SMH. It's shaking my head for those of you that don't know what SMH stands for. And plenty of, uh, you know, plenty of the comments were expressing admiration and they were loving this girl. Nothing but respect. And, uh, I hope people realize that this was probably her last resort. You got to do what you got to do. That's a strong queen. My respect for her. One person came forward claiming to be the employee in the video. And her comment received more than 147,000 likes. This is me on the video. Uh, Since she is my niece, it was either I take her or or dis was so she brought to me 2.30 a.m. and I was already at work. Um, She is my niece. It was either I take her or dis was so she was brought to me 2.30 a.m. And I was already at work. Some interesting sentences on social media. So Waffle House, of course, uh, you know, breaks out the investigation. And they posted on their Twitter account, we have investigated the TikTok video and have determined that the media portrayals and the social media posts are not accurate. (laughs) While an employee of ours was recorded, holding a baby at work. She is not related to that baby in any manner. Never identified herself as the person in the TikTok video. Never provided a cash app account to receive any donations, which many of those uh, comments did. Never gave an interview to any media outlet. Never was suspended from her job. Thus, people who are donating to any cash app related to this story likely have been scammed by someone unrelated to our employee. Although we understand that our employee held a baby belonging to her co-worker in an attempt to quickly settle the crying child, and we have taken this opportunity to coach and retrain our employee and her co-workers on our safety guidelines that govern working behind the counter. So she, you know, shouldn't have taken the baby behind the counter, but it, you know, obviously... She was just doing it to help the the mother. Now, knowing that the story as previously reported is materially false, we caution against further dissemination of that false story and the damages that might result, not to mention the help that might give to support an apparent fraud on the public. And the vice president of public relations for Waffle House said that that is the final comment we have on the matter. (laughs) So all Waffle House employees are not going to get new training. Don't be bringing kids behind the counter. But other than that, the whole thing was, well, I mean, it was real. She was, you know, holding the baby behind the counter, trying to get the kid to shut up. 
so the rest of us could eat our food in peace. But other than that, the rest of it was all BS. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Okay, be ready to see new ads on Netflix. Remember we talked a while ago about how Netflix was trying to find a way to interact commercials with Netflix because nobody wants Netflix with commercials. just isn't what they do. But they just teamed up with Walmart to launch a Netflix hub at uh, walmart.com slash Netflix, which they claim will be the biggest online retail destination for Netflix consumer products in the U.S. So examples of products launching on the Netflix hub, you know, Stranger Things, music collection, action figures, Squid Game Apparel, Coco Melon Dolls, and uh, Out of Twist Lab playset. So, um, you know, Netflix, we love stories to transcend screens and become a part of people's lives. Yeah, no kidding. So we're working with Walmart gives us the opportunity to deliver a shopping experience that sets a new level of innovation for the entertainment consumer products space. So I would venture to say that while at the end or the beginning of Netflix shows, at least their original shows, you will get a, hey, for products that you like for this show, Go to walmart.com slash Netflix, guaranteed. And that's going to be, that's going to be huge for them. So if you want squid game apparel, you know, like a sweatsuit with the number on it, or, uh, is it, I, I, I guess they're pink or fuchsia, uh, <laughs> suits. <laughs> if you haven't seen squid game, you don't know what I'm talking about, but when you see it, you'll know. So I'm sure that that's going to be a huge fashion statement in the near future. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but, uh, they, you know, I know that they're modeling, but I would be sure that that is the new, that's the Halloween outfit of the season. The, uh, the squid game outfits will be Halloween. But did you see the picture? I'll show it tomorrow on chewing the fat during Pat Unleashed. But I think my favorite Halloween outfit so far this season I got a picture sent to me through one of the social media sites of a little girl that has the head of Joe Biden on her shoulder. <laughs> like he's sniffing her. Awesome. Really, really funny. Another picture on social media that uh, is really funny. And I'll show this tomorrow during Chewing the Fat on Pat's show as well. That was, uh, they asked, I'm not sure who asked, uh, was the original sender of this, but because, uh, what's his face is going up into space tomorrow. William Shatner was supposed to have been today, but it was too windy. Um, when he comes back down after his 10 minute, you know, theme park ride into space, everyone should wear the planet of the apes outfit. So <laughs> it looks like he landed back on the planet of the apes. Really, again, really funny, and that actually uh, should happen. So yesterday was the 125th Boston Marathon. It's been two and a half years since we've had a Boston Marathon. You know me, man. If you listen to this show, you know I train for marathons. I mean, myself, the uh, 
U.S. the USATF, you know, the United States Track and Field Association. Man, I am uh, I'm all about them. But and you know that uh, you know I was uh, we talked about the Quad Cities Marathon where the two guys <laughs> followed the the biker the wrong way and lost the marathon. Really, really funny. And I mean, not funny for them. I mean, holy cow. And so congratulations to the winners of uh, the Boston Marathon. The professional winners were both Kenyan, uh, Benson Kiprudo, and Diana Kemtai Kipyoge uh, won the men and women's fields, respectively, uh, with uh, the, man, the man at two hours, nine minutes, and 51 seconds, and the women was two hours, 24 minutes and 45 seconds. I, I don't know why we still break them up in men and women at the marathon, but <laughs> that's something that needs to be addressed. I'll tell you that. And then they have the wheelchair division. And I think we have the, the hop division. I don't know. Oh, just, it's just a joke. Stop it. And, uh, so, you know, congratulations to the winners of the Boston marathon. I did like that. Uh, you know, they were going to there were a bunch of people showing up to protest Kristen Cinema, the uh, senator who was supposed to run, and they all hate her now. She's got a big, uh, you know, big cross on her back, and uh, she didn't run. So that was kind of fun. Although she was there, she just didn't run because of an injury. It would have been nice if she just would have kept saying she was going to show up and then not show up. Really funny. But as I was looking through, uh, you know, my marathon history, and we talked about it at one time, you know, how come the marathon is. 26.2 miles. It's because the queen wanted the babies in the, in the nursery to be able to see the start of the marathon. And it was going to end at their, the Royal box. So it made the marathon 26.2 miles. And they said, yes, your majesty will do that. And then it was 26.2 miles forever after. But I was looking at some of the history of marathons around the world. Right, so the, some of the biggest marathons are Boston, Chicago, London, New York, Tokyo, Berlin, and uh, um, Tokyo has a lot of runners that run in costume. Did you know that? I I did not. I mean, I did because that's one of the big marathons I've you know I would run in if I was able to get over to Tokyo and run. Uh, Boston is the oldest marathon, the one that uh, the hundred twenty fifth marathon that ran yesterday, uh, founded in 1897. Berlin updated its course in 1990, uh, because before then it uh, was just in West Berlin. And so now they've added, you know, other parts of the city, tear down this wall. Chicago is the flattest of the marathons. (laughs) London, uh, finishes at a mall. Uh, Okay, great. I guess, you know, when you're done running a 26.2, it's time to do a little shopping. You probably need a new pair of shoes. And of course, um, New York incorporates five bridges that you've got to run across for the New York marathon. So if you're looking for something different in your marathon running, there you have it. There's some of the greatest marathons in the world. So we know that Apple is going to launch their wallet app. We've talked about that before. And I know that, uh, you know, you can carry your theater tickets and boarding passes and credit cards and even proof of your vaccination on your smartphones now. But now we have 20 states 
that have either considered, tested, or already launched digital versions of driver's licenses that, you know, live on your smartphones. Uh, Yay! So, Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah are all, you know, kind of supporting the feature. So, you may be able to show the police officer your driver's license on your phone when you, you know, are asked for your identification from a police officer. I'm pretty sure you could get away with that now. I mean, a police officer, we've seen videos where police are allowing that, even though it's not, you know, a... Uh, you know, a, a mandated identification, but you'd still be able to get away with it. I'm pretty sure most police officers would allow that. But now, I mean, we're talking about Google has been working on a verifiable electronic ID into Android and Apple, of course, as I said, is going to have their wallet app. So wonderful. Now they claim that, you know, of course, not everyone carries around a smartphone, uh, you know, you still have to have your real, you know, physical card that you get from the DMV. Do you? Okay. I thought IDs were racist anyway. Oh, that's just if you want to vote. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I know that we have, uh, you know, Delaware and Arizona, they've already launched their mobile ID apps. So they say that they're companions not physical, uh, not actual replacements. Oh, okay. Well, no problem then. So I know that we have a license app developed in partnership with Idemia, I-D-E-M-I-A, a company best known for providing the technology to the TSA for its pre-check frequent traveler program. And so I know Alabama has worked with this company for digital licenses. So that's good. You know what would be good? And I just wish we'd move on from this whole little smartphone thing and states, you know, using different apps and what phones can hold the apps. And is it a Google wallet app? Is it an Apple wallet app? Why don't we just put a chip in? Okay, let's move on with our lives. Just put the chip in so I can just boop and we're done. Now, can I, uh, and just so the police officer pulls you over and he'll have all your information. If you're out on the street and you're asked for your ID because you're just walking on the street, you're able to just scan. The police officer will have his scanner boop, and all your information will just pop right up. They'll know where you live, who you are, whether you've been vaccinated or not. And if you're allowed to be out on the street walking around or you need to get back home. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And you might as well do your banking through that chip too. So you go into the store and you get what you want and then boop. And you takes it out of your account digitally. So it's just digital money being transferred from chip to chip. Let's just get that done, shall we? I am so sick and tired of this whole privacy thing and, you know, mark of the devil. Let's move on. Put the chip in and shut your mouth. Sure, you have a choice. You have a choice to put the chip in and live, or you can not have a chip and not be able to have anything available to you whatsoever. Sadly, I think that's actually closer than you or I want it to be. 
All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh my gosh. So good. So uh, this is kind of a spoiler alert for me as well, because I haven't watched it yet. Uh, NCIS. I, you know, I record it and I watch it. The, or the original NCIS, uh, with Mark Harmon. And, um, I'm a fan. I have been, I mean, he's Jethro Gibbs. If you watch the show, that's his name on the show. Jethro Gibbs, 18 seasons, 18 seasons of Jethro Gibbs. And he's the, you know, he's the main guy. I mean, he's that all the other characters are great and they're part of the show, but Leroy Jethro Gibbs is the one that holds it together. Mark Harmon. And the last, you know, the ending part of last season and the beginning of this latest season, he's been kind of out as part of NCIS. He's still, you know, they're still coming to him and he's still got the case and, but he's not, technically a part of NCIS. And so he's, uh, it happened last season and he's been questioning whether he's going to come back. He doesn't want to apologize. He's not admitting he's not coming back. So this last episode, I'm reading about it and I haven't watched it yet. And because I watch it with my wife and I, I almost watched it last night when I was reading the story, I almost sat down and watched it. So if you like NCIS and you don't want a spoiler alert, just kind of fast forward the podcast a little bit because I'm going to tell you a spoiler alert on Mark Harmon and NCIS. Apparently, according to what I was reading last night, this last show was his last show on NCIS. What? Come on now. So, you know, I know we've been speculating that they've been working on his character and he signed a new deal with NCIS. And I know he's the executive producer. He's the guy. The show, actually, we've said it before, the show lasts as long as Leroy Jethro Gibbs is on it. Can they milk a season or two without him? Sure. Will it, after that, though? No. Not going to happen. According to the reviews of this last episode, Leroy opts not to return to his job in NCIS. He tells Tim, I'm not going back. And apparently this happens in Alaska where, you know, they track down the hitman. They end up in Alaska on the show and that's where, that's where he's going to remain. I guess. Remember what's her face was on the show and she stayed in Iraq or Afghanistan. That's how she left the show. So she's, you know, people leave the show, they go away. They don't, you know, some of them have been killed, but you know, a few of the big names just go away. So it's possible. They could come back for a reoccurring role, even, you know, from time to time or come back as a main character again. So I guess he's still going to be, you know, executive producer. He's still going to be, you know, part of the show. Uh, I guess he comes back ever so often, but he's not going to be on every episode. That's an issue. That's an issue for me because the show, while good without Leroy Jethro Gibbs. Ooh, man, we may have to, we may have to say a long time goodbye to the NCIS. I'll, you know, keep you updated on the NCIS viewing as it goes. (laughs) And have you watched the Dave Chappelle special yet? Well, uh, the closer really funny, 
Dave is, you know, Dave Chappelle. He's the guy, right? I mean, he's funny. And uh, he's been, you know, under fire because uh, the trans community, or at least a couple of the people that work for Netflix was pissed. One of the uh, trans co-showrunners for Dear White People said she's cutting ties with the company over the Chappelle decision. Good for you. Bye. Because Netflix said she wanted them to cancel the show and Netflix is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, sorry. And some of these employees uh, crashed this Netflix high-level quarterly business review meeting last Friday. And one of the engineers uh, who identifies as queer and trans bashed the company on Twitter. Uh, those employees are uh, have been suspended. Uh, you don't get to just barge into meetings you weren't invited to, okay? And the uh, what's-her-face, or what's-his-face, Jacqueline Moore, the co-showrunner, uh, as I said, bye-bye, have a nice day, take care. Uh, we, you know, good luck, God bless. And, you know, that's that's the deal. If you If you believe in it strongly, then quit. If you don't think you can work for Netflix anymore. But I would venture to say that it's a pretty good company to work for. And over one show that you feel is against the trans community, uh, if you actually watch the show, it isn't. So I would venture to say that good luck, God bless, take care of yourself. Another comedian that uh, wishes that she was uh, Dave Chappelle, Samantha B., who is, I don't know how she continues with the show. She has, I think, a 30-minute show a week. And it's supposed to be funny. I don't think she's funny at all. But it claims that she has now admitted that she covered up for former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo because her liberal audience saw him as a hero and a dad. She was a guest on the Sway podcast. And man, I, I love that Sway podcast with Kara Fisher. So uh, it's not like I was a Cuomo sexual. Um, you know, I was just many, many times during the pandemic where we had big, you know, show wide conversations about how do we handle Cuomo because he's super problematic. But the story about him out in the world was like, he's a hero and he's the only person speaking about the pandemic in a fatherly way. And he's our dad and whatever. Really? So that the, so we're not going to make jokes about Andrew Cuomo. We know that. We know it's true. I mean, I I guess you say, well, she admitted it. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we already knew that to these comedians, uh, you know, especially uh, someone who, you know, like Samantha B and her show's completely uh, liberal audience. And so if she goes after the great Andrew Cuomo, it wouldn't hold well uh, with uh, with her crowd. Or would it? I, I mean, at some point, it's comedy, right? You're supposed to be able to go after everyone. It's comedy. Nothing is supposed to be sacred. It's comedy. You know, come to think of it, that's what makes Dave Chappelle so good. And that's what makes the monster comedians so good. That nothing is sacred. It's a joke based on real life. It's just incredible to me that 
Nobody understands that. Good news about the Man of Steel. According to DC comic writer Tom Taylor, uh, Superman is in the upcoming Superman Son of Cat L. Uh, the current Superman, John Kent, is going to start a gay relationship and uh, he with this Jay Nakamura and the pair share a kiss in issue number five. Tom, the writer, revealed Monday saying that creating another straight white savior I just couldn't do it. Uh, it would be a real opportunity missed. Right? Yes. He said he's had queer characters and storylines rejected in the past, but he knew he didn't want another straight white male as his superhero. <laughs> right? Okay. So he would feel he didn't want to let people down. And I, you know, I loved every time this happened, but we're in a, we're in a very, in a very different and much more welcome place today than we were 10 or even five years ago. Well, that's the truth. When I was asked if I wanted to write a new Superman with a new, for the new, uh, number one for the DC universe, I knew replacing Clark with another straight white, straight white savior could be a real opportunity missed. Thank you. I've always said everyone needs heroes and everyone deserves to see themselves in their heroes. Superman, the strongest superhero on the planet, is coming out. So, good. So we know that uh, food prices across the world have risen, let's just say, I don't know, to the highest levels in a decade. <laughs> oh, that's it, though. Yeah, those whole supply conditions, tight supply conditions and, you know, the demand for goods that, you know, because people, I don't know, want things, you know, like food and agricultural organizations that the United Nations claims there's a robust demand, you think? Well, we know now that uh, there, we could have a coming fish stick shortage. Yeah, I know. A customs dispute at the U.S.-Canada border is threatening America's supply of a key fish used for popular products such as fish sticks and fast food sandwiches. That is not good news. We know that we could have a coming Christmas tree shortage. So I guess there's a reduced tree supply that uh, that's that's going to happen this season. U.S. oil prices continue to surge. Uh, the last time uh, oil finished above $80 a barrel, which it was uh, earlier this week, $80.52 a barrel, was October 31st, 2014. And if you've been to the gas station lately, you know that that $10 in your tank isn't even close to what it has been. Right, I mean, that is for sure. We also know now that the used subcompact car price are gone up for about over 50%. <laughs> yeah, I know. So the Mitsubishi Mirage, the subcompact Mitsubishi Mirage, which is, oh, there's plenty of room in that car. 
Uh, there's a lot of fat guys sitting in that car. Uh, not. Uh, 50%, 49.9% up in price. The uh, Apparently, the chip shortage continues to throttle the new and pre-owned car supplies. Duh. So the average price of the Mirage was uh, $4,457 higher than last year. The lowest prices for vehicles in the U.S. started at $16,290 for the new cars. Wow. The Nissan Electric Leaf went up almost 50%, 46%. The Chevy Spark, the cheapest new car currently on sale, was selling for 44.7% higher than in 2020. And if you're out purchasing goods and services, really, you know as well as I do that prices are, how shall we put it, uh, a lot more expensive than they were. So that kind of means your dollar is getting less for more or more for less. You know how it works. A <laughs> couple more headlines that uh, you need to you know, know about. Uh, I don't know what's happening with Bitcoin. I know it's been uh, up and down and still through the roof. But J.P. Morgan, CEO, uh, Jamie Dimon, who has been you know a very vocal leader of J.P. Morgan, he said that he thinks Bitcoin is worthless and that regulation is coming. So he must have his own. Uh, he must have his own currency that he's ready to put on the shelf. Beaches back open in California. Yes, it's been a little over a week since we had the oil spill and it was all over the beaches and it was the end of the world. And then the cleanup happened and Mother Nature took back what it normally takes back and then we can open the beaches again. It's weird how that works, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And we know that uh, drug maker Merck requested authorization from the U.S. health regulators yesterday. For those of you listening live, today is the 12th of October, 2021. So on the 11th of October, 2021, they uh, requested from U.S. health regulators. uh, They wanted uh, authorization for their antiviral medication. Combating the effects of COVID-19 sounds an awful lot like, we did talk about this because it sounds an awful lot like this is their answer to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. But what do I know? (laughs) What do I know? And we have a study out now that finds aspirin can significantly cut COVID risks. Can I say that word? Significantly cut COVID risks and even death, aspirin. A new study finds that uh, aspirin may be able to protect COVID-19 patients from extreme risk, including the need for mechanical ventilation. Huh. Isn't that interesting? So, another little drug of the past that's cheap that will help once you come down with the virus. That is interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. I wonder if Merck or any of the other drug makers will come up with something <laughs> similar to uh, to aspirin that we'll be able to, you know, be able to use that's going to be a lot more expensive to use than silly old aspirin and horse paste and hydroxychloroquine. We can't have that. That's just crazy. And speaking of being crazy, 
The 16-year-old Wyoming high school student, Grace Smith, junior at Laramie High School, she has been uh, arrested because she refuses to wear a mask at school. (laughs) So she showed up at school and she wouldn't wear a mask, so they fined her and suspended her. And then she came back. And they find her and suspended her. Then they say, hey, uh, if you don't leave, then you're going to get a citation and get arrested. Well, she didn't leave. So she was put in handcuffs after refusing to leave. She was later released from the police station. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So what happens is, and there's footage of her being arrested, and she's, she's playing by their rules as far as getting uh, footage and fighting back. Um, she said that she talked to her father and her attorney and said that, Hey, let's go ahead and see what happens. Let's push it some more. This is ridiculous. Um, they locked down the school after she refused to leave a student. They knew was there specifically fighting because she didn't want to wear a mask. So because it was a disciplinary disturbance, then they could close the school and bring in the police and have her arrested. Amazing. She said she's had six days out of school suspension. That comes from three separate two-day suspensions, $1,000 worth of trespassing fines from our police department for not complying and getting suspended and then refusing to leave school property because I had a right to education. She said the policy made her feel unwanted. <laughs> and uh, she, the father and uh, the attorney said that the district has denied his and his daughter's constitutional rights as a Wyoming resident to make their own health care choices. Uh, hello. So we have a 16-year-old fighting for the rights of everyone. You make the choice. And at the same time, we have adults on television crying over an email that was sent years ago saying something bad about someone else in that email. Just incredible. So John Gruden is now gone. Have a nice day. Emails were found in an investigation in the NFL was investigating Washington Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington football team. And they, you know, with emails. And then they found emails from Gruden to other people. And what he said in those emails, you know, were homophobic and misogynistic. And the original email was talking about, said something about the lips of a black man. He didn't, he just called the person by his name and said that he had huge lips. So that is racist, I guess. But the other uh, emails in private emails, by the way, uh, he went ahead and they've run him off. He's resigned. He even bent the knee. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anybody. It was just private. You know, he's John Gruden. If you didn't think that John Gruden was this kind of guy, you know, a locker room guy uh, in private, because don't forget these are private emails that were sent as he was sharing in between uh, several people that uh, he, the, the first 
information that came out is where he called the NFL Players Association executive director, Demora Smith, uh, <laughs> he called him Dumerus Smith. And he said that he had, uh, he made fun of the size of his lips. Um, I guess that's racist. All right. I guess that's, I guess that's racist. He used homophobic language, including calling NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, the F word. (laughs) He was pissed that he thought Goodell forced Jeff Fisher, not me, the coach, uh, the former NFL football coach to draft Michael Sam because he was gay. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't like that. There were six, the Goodell instructed the league executives to look at more than 650,000 emails during the past few months. That was all part of the workplace misconduct investigation at the Washington football team. Okay. So they, some of these emails include Gruden and Allen, who was gone from Washington. They included uh, businessmen friends, Ed Drosty. Co-founder of Hooters. I've met Ed before. Jim McVeigh, really good man. Executive uh, of the Outback Bowl. He's the head of the Outback Bowl in Tampa. I know Jim. He's a good man. I know his son, John. Uh, you know, annually held, uh, you know, Nick Reeder, the founder of PDQ Restaurants, a Tampa-based fried chicken franchise. I think I know someone else that's involved in the running of the PDQ restaurants as well, but I'm not positive about that. So I won't throw his name in the, in the fire. And they, these, all these exchanges begin as early as 2010. So if, you know, if they're looking in emails and, you know, they were, were they, some of these comments bad, I, I guess, yes. Were they, were, did anyone take them seriously? I doubt it. Uh, it was something coming from John, right? And they were forwarded on or they weren't forwarded on. And they sent some pictures of some cheerleaders topless to each other. You know, you get a picture in your email of someone topless and you look and go, oh, holy cow. And then you delete the email. Do you take it serious? No. Do you, if you ever see the girl in real life, do you say, hey, you know, I just got an email a couple of weeks ago of you topless. How about that, huh? There's no question of why were you taking pictures of yourself topless? Oh, no, that's okay. That's right. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. You can you can have pictures taken of you topless. Just people can't pass them along, right? Right. Okay. So anyway, John Gruden, history. Have a nice day out of the NFL. And, uh, you know, he. that's why you never bend the knee. He bent the knee, said he never meant to hurt anybody. I believe him. Should we have believed him and moved on? I think so. But, you know, he was against the woke community of the NFL, and you can't have that. All right, you can always email the show, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Instagram and Facebook is Jeff Fisher Radio. And I will have news soon of a fundraiser I'm going to do for our rescue where I'm going to raise money and shave my head 
for O-U-R. I know. I've been letting my hair grow. It's getting kind of long, kind of shaggy, and I'm kind of getting uh, annoyed with it. I want to get it cut. But I figured, hey, let's uh, do something good instead of just getting a regular haircut. Let's do something fun. So we're raising money for Our Rescue. They do fantastic work. You can go to OurRescue.org and you can see the work that they do. But soon I will have a way that uh, you can donate to OUR and also get me to shave my head. And I'll do it live on one of my social media accounts. I want to thank uh, um, Jesse who emailed me about the uh, Lego story that uh, we talked about here on the show. He said, uh, I've been buzzing Lego for years, buzzing, I'm guessing building. So we'll say that that was just a a spell uh, check wrong. Uh, I've been buzzing building Lego for years, and I don't recall seeing them labeled for boys or for girls. They do have age range. Uh, The only thing I can think of certain sets of uh, which come in more vibrant colors and instead of being called mini figures in those sets they are called mini dolls oh gender specific so what i'm guessing is they want to sell more of those sets and boys don't like them i couldn't tell you that but i found a friend whose daughter loves the harry potter sets and going by what the story says they aren't designed to look one way or the other according to jesse people just need to chill out yes uh lego saying they're going to you know be uh gender neutral uh i always considered legos as gender neutral anyway but you know again maybe that's just me uh thank you to Derek who emailed the show saying uh i wanted to say you're my favorite radio host oh Derek, thank you uh, you, and in fact, he goes on to say, I want to say that you are my favorite radio host, but you aren't, you are the favorite. Oh, I love your shows. I only listen to those other clowns at the blaze because sometimes they have you on and I love it when you're on there. The place would crumble without you. Thank you. I'm glad someone else noticed. And since he is athletically overweight as well, he sent me a link to the new hostess limited edition cakes and of course it's you know fall and we're heading into halloween so it's the pumpkin spice hostess cakes and they look pretty good actually but as i was looking at that was you know just happened why not i'm already there right at the hostess website i thought hey let's check out the new items at hostess and they have new pecan spins those actually look really good uh, and I, you know, they have strawberries and cream crispy minis. They have cookies and cream crispy minis. Yes, I'm willing to try those. They have the lemon drizzle baby bunt cakes. I could be a fan of those. The cinnamon swirl baby bunt cakes. <laughs> the caramel ding dongs are new from Hostess. Yes, I am a fan. I want regular ding dongs too, though. But regular ding dongs and caramel ding dongs. Yes. They have uh, muffin sticks, chocolate chip muffin sticks. They have blueberry muffin sticks, pecan. And I started with the pecan swim. So I'm telling you, Hostess is knocking it out of the park and keeping up the good work. I'm Hopefully there's not going to be any supply chain issues with Hostess. And uh, so thank you. I appreciate it 
very much, Derek. And then one last email from uh, Jono. And this is a pet peeve of mine. And I'm turning into a jihad, actually. But uh, this, and just the other night it happened, driving back from the Mercury One event. Okay, so it's like one o'clock in the morning. And we're driving back and we're stopped at a light. All right, we stop at a light at one o'clock in the morning on a main a main intersection, and all four sides are stopped. Okay, all four sides sitting there waiting for one of the turn lights to happen, one of the green light forward lights to happen. Something that is absolutely unacceptable, unacceptable. So, according to Jonah, why he sent this to me on Saturday morning. All right, he emailed this to me <laughs> while on the road. I mean, I'm sure he was stopped here as, as he was emailing me. Why the hell am I sitting at red lights with eight cars behind me at 6.53 a.m. in rural central Pennsylvania? There's no other cars anywhere. Honestly, there should be timer red lights anywhere for any reason in rural Pennsylvania. That's BS. For no reason. Well, it is reason. I mean, it's a, a revenue enhancer. They want people to run the lights. They want people to become so frustrated that they run the lights and they're able to give you tickets. And I say, take a shot. If there's no police officers around, you know, I, I'm not telling you to break the law. Okay. That would be wrong. Don't break the law. You should sit at that red light for days unless it turns green. That's what I think. I think no matter what time of day or night, there's a red light and there's no traffic and no one else around. You should still sit there at that light waiting for it to turn green. That's what I think. Okay. I think that if you go to walk across the street and there's no traffic and the little walking hand or the little walking person, computerized person is telling you not to walk, I don't think you should walk. I think you should stand at that corner and wait until that turns green and alerts you, the human, that you are able to go, whether there's traffic or no traffic. That's what I think. I don't think anyone should ever break the law, ever. It's just frustrating to me that someone would be sitting at a red light with no traffic. And why they have them, I have. That is that is something you need to take up with your local municipalities and your city managers and find out exactly the reason. Maybe. Maybe. Benefit of the doubt, they don't know how to do their job. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.